Chapter Twenty Three of Joshua by George Ebers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three. The hymn of praise had died away, but though the storm had long since raged itself into calmness, the morning sky, which had been beautiful in the rosy flush of dawn, was again veiled by gray mists, and a strong wind still blew from the southwest lashing the sea and shaking and swaying the tops of the palm trees beside the springs the rescued people had paid due honor to the most high even the most indifferent and rebellious had joined in miriam's song of praise yet when the ranks of the dancers approached the sea many left the procession to hurry to the shore which presented many attractions hundreds had now gathered on the strand where the waves like generous robbers washed ashore the booty they had seized during the night even the women did not allow the wind to keep them back for the two strongest impulses of the human heart avarice and the longing for vengeance drew them to the shore some new object of desire appeared every moment here lay the corpse of a warrior yonder his shattered chariot if the latter had belonged to a man of rank its gold and silver ornaments were torn off while the short sword or battle-axe was drawn from the girdle of the lifeless owner and men and women of low degree male and female slaves belonging to the hebrews and foreigners robbed the corpses of the clasps and circlets of the precious metal or twisted the rings from the swollen fingers of the drowned the ravens which had followed the wandering tribes and vanished during the storm again appeared and croaking struggled against the wind to maintain their places above the prey whose scent had attracted them but the dregs of the fugitive hordes were still more greedy than they and wherever the sea washed a costly ornament ashore there were fierce outcries and angry quarrelling the leaders kept aloof the people they thought had a right to this booty and whenever one of them undertook to control their rude greed he received no obedience the pass to which the egyptians had brought them within the last few hours had been so terrible that even the better natures among the hebrews did not think of curbing the thirst for vengeance even gray-bearded men of dignified bearing and wives and mothers whose looks augured gentle hearts thrust back the few hapless foes who had succeeded in reaching the land on the ruins of the war chariots or baggage wagons with shepherds crooks and travelling staves knives and axes stones and insults they forced their hands into the floating wood and the few who nevertheless reached the land were flung by the furious mob into the sea which had taken pity on them in vain their wrath was so great and vengeance so sacred a duty that no one thought of the respect the pity the consideration which our misfortunes do and not a word was uttered to appeal to generosity or compassion or even to remind the people of the prophet which might be derived from holding the rescued soldiers as prisoners of war death to our mortal foes destruction to them down with them feed the fishes with them you drove us into the sea with our children now try the salt waves yourselves such were the shouts that rose everywhere and which no one opposed not even miriam and ephraim who had also gone down to the shore to witness the scene it presented the maiden had become the wife of her but her new condition had made little change in her nature and conduct the fate of her people and the intercourse with god whose prophetess she felt herself to be 
were still her highest aims. Now that all for which she had hoped and prayed was fulfilled, now that at the first great triumph of her efforts, she had expressed the feelings of the faithful in her song, she felt as if she were the leader of the grateful multitude, at whose head she had marched singing, and as if she had attained the goal of her life. Ephraim had reminded her of Hosea, and, while talking with him about the prisoner, she moved on as proudly as a queen, answering the greetings of the throng with majestic dignity. Her eyes sparkled with joy, and her features wore an expression of compassion only at brief intervals, when the youth spoke of the greatest sufferings which he had borne with his uncle. She doubtless still remembered the man she had loved, but he was no longer necessary to the lofty goal of her aspirations. Ephraim had just spoken of the beautiful Egyptian, who had loved Hosea, and at whose intercession the prisoner's chains had been removed, when loud outcries were heard at a part of the strand, where many of the people had gathered. Shouts of joy mingled with yells of fury, and awakened the conjecture that the sea had washed some specially valued prize ashore. Curiosity drew both to the spot, and as Miriam's stately bearing made the throng move respectfully aside, they soon saw the mournful contents of the large travelling chariot which had lost its wheels. The linen canopy which had protected it was torn away, and on the floor lay two elderly Egyptian women. The third, who was much younger, leaned against the back of the vehicle, thus strangely transformed into a boat. Her companions lay dead in the water which had covered its floor, and several Hebrew women were in the act of tearing the costly gold ornaments from the neck and arms of one of the corpses. Some chance had preserved this young woman's life, and she was now giving her rich jewels to the Israelites. Her pale lips and slender, half-frozen hands trembled as she did so, and in low musical tones she promised the robbers to yield them all she possessed and pay a large ransom if they would spare her. She was so young, and had shown kindness to a Hebrew, surely they might listen to her. It was a touching entreaty, but so often interrupted by threats and curses, that only a few could hear it. Just as Ephraim and Miriam reached the shore, she shrieked aloud. A rude hand had torn the gold serpent from her ear. The cry pierced the youth's heart like a dagger thrust, and his cheeks paled, for he recognized Kasana. The bodies beside her were those of her nurse and the wife of the chief priest Bai. Scarcely able to control himself, Ephraim thrust aside the men who separated him from the object of the moment's assault, sprang on the sand hill at whose foot the chariot had rested, and shouted with glowing cheeks in wild excitement, Back! Woe to anyone who touches her! But a Hebrew woman, the wife of a brickmaker, whose child had died in terrible convulsions during the passage through the sea, had already snatched the dagger from her girdle, and with the jeering cry, This is for my little Ruth, you jade, dealt her a blow in the back. Then she raised the tiny blood-stained weapon for a second stroke, but ere she could give her enemy another thrust, Ephraim flung himself between her and her victim, and wrenched the dagger from her grasp. Then planting himself before the wounded girl, he swung the blade aloft, exclaiming in loud, threatening tones, Whoever touches her, you robbers and murderers, shall mingle his blood with this woman's. Then he flung himself beside Kasana's bleeding form, and finding that she had lost consciousness, raised her in his arms and carried her to Miriam. 
the astonished plunderer speechlessly made way for a few moments but ere he reached the prophetess shouts of vengeance vengeance were heard in all directions we found the woman the booty belongs to us alone how dares the insolent ephraimite call us robbers and murderers wherever egyptian blood can be spilled it must flow at him snatch the girl from him the youth paid no heed to these outbursts of wrath until he had laid kasana's head in the lap of miriam who had seated herself on the nearest sand hill and as the angry throng the women in front of the men pressed upon him he again waved his dagger crying back i command you let all of the blood of ephraim and judah rally around me and miriam the wife of their chief that's right brothers and woe betide any hand that touches her do you shriek for vengeance has it not been yours through yonder monster who murdered the poor defenseless one do you want your victim's jewels well well they belong to you and i will give you mine to boot if you will leave the wife of her to care for this dying girl with these words he bent over kasana took off the clasps and rings she wore and gave them to the greedy hands outstretched to seize them lastly he stripped the broad gold circlet from his arm and holding it aloft exclaimed here is the promised payment if you will depart quietly and leave this woman to miriam i will give you the gold and you can divide it among you if you thirst for more blood come on but i will keep the armlet these words did not fail to produce their effect the furious women looked at the heavy broad gold armlet then at the handsome youth and the men of judah and ephraim who had gathered around him and finally glanced inquiringly into one another's faces at last the wife of a foreign trader cried let him give us the gold and we'll leave the handsome young chief his bleeding sweetheart to this decision the others agreed and though the brickmaker's infuriated wife who thought as the avenger of her child she had done an act pleasing in the sight of god and was upbraided for it as a murderess reviled the youth with frantic gestures she was dragged away by the crowd to the shore where they hoped to find more booty during this threatening transaction miriam had fearlessly examined kasana's wound and bound it up with skilful hands the dagger which prince sipta had jestingly given the beautiful lady of his love that she might not go to war defenceless had inflicted a deep wound under the shoulder and the blood had flowed so abundantly that the feeble spark of life threatened to die out at any moment but she still lived and in this condition was born to the tent of nun which was the nearest within reach the old chief had just been supplying weapons to the shepherds and youths whom ephraim had summoned to go to the relief of the imprisoned hosea and had promised to join them when the mournful procession approached as kasana loved the handsome old man the latter had for many years kept a place in his heart for captain horneck's pretty daughter she had never met him without gladdening him by a greeting which he always returned with kind words such as the lord bless you child or it is a delightful hour when an old man meets so fair a creature many years before she had then worn the curls of childhood he had even sent her a lamb whose snowy fleece was specially silky after having bartered the corn from her father's lands for cattle of his most famous breed and what his son had told him of kasana had been well fitted to increase his regard for her 
he beheld in the archer's daughter the most charming young girl in tanis and had she been the child of hebrew parents he would have rejoiced to wed her to his son to find his darling in such a state caused the old man grief so profound that bright tears ran down his snowy beard and his voice trembled as while greeting her he saw the blood-stained bandage on her shoulder after she had been laid on his couch and none had placed his own chest of medicines at the disposal of the skilful prophetess miriam asked the men to leave her alone with the suffering egyptian and when she again called them into the tent she had revived the strength of the severely wounded girl with cordials and bandaged the hurt more carefully than had been possible before kasana cleansed from the blood-stains and with her hair neatly arranged lay beneath the fresh linen coverings like a sleeping child just on the verge of maidenhood she was still breathing but the color had not returned to cheeks or lips and she did not open her eyes until she had drunk the cordial miriam mixed for her a second time the old man and his grandson stood at the foot of her couch and each would fain have asked the other why he could not restrain his tears whenever he looked at this stranger's face the certainty that kasana was wicked and faithless which had so unexpectedly forced itself upon ephraim had suddenly turned his heart from her and startled him back into the right path which he had abandoned yet what he had heard in her tent had remained a profound secret and as he told his grandfather and miriam that she had compassionately interceded for the prisoners and both had desired to hear more of her he had felt like a father who had witnessed the crime of a beloved son and no word of the abominable things he had heard had escaped his lips now he rejoiced that he had kept his secret for whatever he might have seen and heard this fair creature certainly was capable of no base deed to the old man she had never ceased to be the lovely child whom he had known the apple of his eye and the joy of his heart so he gazed with tender anxiety at the features convulsed by pain and when she had at last opened her eyes smiled at her with paternal affection her glance showed that she instantly recognized both him and ephraim but weakness baffled her attempt to nod at them yet her expressive face revealed surprise and joy and when miriam had given her the cordial a third time and bathed her brow with a powerful essence her large eyes wandered from face to face and noticing the troubled looks of the men she managed to whisper the wound aches and death must i die one looked inquiringly at another and the men would gladly have concealed the terrible truth but she went on ah let me know ah i pray you tell me the truth miriam who was kneeling beside her found courage to answer yes you poor young creature the wound is deep but whatever my skill can accomplish shall be done to preserve your life as long as possible the words sounded kind and full of compassion yet the deep voice of the prophetess seemed to hurt kasana for her lips quivered painfully while miriam was speaking and when she ceased her eyes closed and one large tear after another ran down her cheeks deep anxious silence reigned around her until she again raised her lashes and fixing her eyes wearily on miriam asked softly as if perplexed by some strange spectacle you are a woman and yet you practice the art of the leech my god has commanded me to care for the suffering ones of our people replied the other 
the dying girl's eyes began to glitter with a restless light and she gasped in louder tones nay with a firmness that surprised the others you are miriam the woman who sent for hosea and when the other answered promptly and proudly it is as you say kasana continued you possess striking imperious beauty and much influence he obeyed your summons and you you consented to wed another again the prophetess answered this time with gloomy earnestness it is as you say the dying girl closed her eyes once more and a strange proud smile hovered around her lips but it soon vanished and a great and painful restlessness seized upon her the fingers of her little hands her lips nay even her eyelids moved perpetually and her smooth narrow forehead contracted as if some great thought occupied her mind at last the ideas that troubled her found utterance and as if roused from repose she exclaimed in terrible accents you are ephraim who seemed like his son and the old man is none his dear father there you stand and will live on but i i oh it is so hard to leave the light anubis will lead me before the judgment seat of osiris my heart will be weighed and then here she shuddered and opened and closed her trembling hands but she soon regained her composure and began to speak again miriam however sternly forbade this because it would hasten her death then the sufferer summoning all her strength exclaimed hastily as loudly as her voice would permit after measuring the prophetess's tall figure with a long glance you wish to prevent me from doing my duty you there had been a slight touch of mockery in the question but kasana doubtless felt it was necessary to spare her strength for she continued far more quietly as though talking to herself i cannot die so i cannot how it happened why i sacrificed all all i must atone for it i will not complain if he only learns how it came to pass oh nun dear old nun who gave me the lamb when i was a little thing i loved it so dearly and you ephraim my dear boy i will tell you everything here a painful fit of coughing interrupted her but as soon as she recovered her breath she turned to miriam and called in a tone which so plainly expressed bitter dislike that it would have surprised any one who knew her kindly nature but you yonder you tall woman with the deep voice who are a physician you lured him from tanis from his soldiers and from me he he obeyed your summons and you you become another's wife probably after his arrival yes for when ephraim summoned him he called you a maiden i don't know whether this caused him hosea pain but there is one thing i do know and that is that i want to confess something and must do so ere it is too late and no one must hear it save those who love him and i do you hear i love him love him better than aught else on earth but you you have a husband and a god whose commands you eagerly obey you say so yourself what can hosea be to you so i beseech you to leave us i have met few who repel me but you your voice your eyes they pierce me to the heart and if you were near i could not speak as i must and oh talking hurts me so but before you go you are a leech let me know this one thing 
I have many messages to leave for him ere I die. Will it kill me to talk? Again the prophetess found no other words in answer except the brief, It is as you say. And this time they sounded harsh and ominous. While wavering between the duty which, as a physician, she owed the sufferer, and the impulse not to refuse the request of a dying woman, she read in old nun's eyes an entreaty to obey Kasana's wish, and with drooping head left the tent. But the bitter words of the hapless girl pursued her, and spoiled the day which had begun so gloriously, and also many a later hour. Nay, to her life's end, she could not understand why, in the presence of this poor dying woman, she had been overpowered by the feeling that she was her inferior, and must take a secondary place. As soon as Kasana was left alone with Nun and Ephraim, the latter had flung himself on his knees beside her couch, while the old man kissed her brow, and bowed his white head to listen to her low words. She began. I feel better now. That tall woman, whose gloomy brows that meet in the middle, those night-black eyes, they glow with so fierce a fire, yet so cold. That woman, did Hosea love her, father? Tell me, I am not asking from idle curiosity. He honored her, replied the old man in a troubled tone, as did our whole nation, for she has a lofty spirit, and our God suffers her to hear his voice. But you, my darling, have been dear to him from childhood, I know. A slight tremor shook the dying girl. She closed her eyes for a short time, and a sunny smile hovered around her lips. She lay in this attitude so long that none feared death had claimed her, and holding the medicine in his hand, listened to hear her breathing. Kasana did not seem to notice it, but when she finally opened her eyes, she held out her hand for the cordial, drank it, and then began again. It seemed just as if I had seen him, Hosea, he wore the panoply of war, just as he did the first time he took me into his arms. I was a little thing, and felt afraid of him. He looked so grave, and my nurse had told me that he had slain a great many of our foes. Yet I was glad when he came, and grieved when he went away. So the years passed, and love grew with my growth. My young heart was so full of him, so full. Even when they forced me to wed another, and after I had become a widow, the last words had been scarcely audible, and she rested some time ere she continued. Hosea knows all this, except how anxious I was when he was in the field, and how I longed for him ere he returned. At last he came home, and how I rejoiced. But he, Hosea, that woman, Ephraim told me so, that tall, arrogant woman summoned him to Pithom. But he returned, and then... Oh, Nun, your son, that was the hardest thing. He refused my hand, which my father offered. And how that hurt me, I can say no more. Give me the drink. Her cheeks had flushed crimson during these painful confessions, and when the experienced old man perceived how rapidly the excitement under which she was laboring hastened the approach of death, he begged her to keep silence but she insisted upon profiting by the time still allowed her, and though the sharp pain with which a short cough tortured her, forced her to press her hand upon her breast, she continued. Then hate came, but it did not last long, and never did I love him more ardently than when I drove after the poor convict. 
You remember, my boy. Then began the horrible, wicked, evil time, of which I must tell him that he may not despise me, if he hears about it. I never had a mother, and there was no one to warn me. Where shall I begin? Prince Sipta, you know him, father. That wicked man will soon rule over my country. My father is in a conspiracy with him. Merciful gods, I can say no more. Terror and despair convulsed her features as she uttered these words, but Ephraim interrupted her, and with tearful eyes and faltering voice, confessed that he knew all. Then he repeated what he had heard while listening outside of her tent, and her glance confirmed the tale. When he finally spoke of the wife of the viceroy and chief priest by, whose body had been borne to the shore with her, Kasana interrupted him with the low exclamation, She planned it all. Her husband was to be the greatest man in the country and rule even Pharaoh, but Sipta is not the son of a king. And, the old man interrupted, to quiet her and help her tell what she desired to say, as by raised, he can overthrow him. He will become, even more certainly, than the dethroned monarch, the tool of the man who made him king. But I know Arsu the Syrian, and if I see aright, the time will come when he will himself strive, in distracted Egypt, rent by internal disturbances, for the power which, through his mercenaries, he aided others to grasp. But child, what induced you to follow the army and this shameful profligate? The dying girl's eyes sparkled, for the question brought her directly to what she desired to tell, and she answered as loudly and quickly as her weakness permitted. I did it for your son's sake, for love of him, to liberate Hosea. The evening before I had steadily and firmly refused the wife of Bai, but when I saw your son at the well, and he, Hosea, oh, at last he was so affectionate and kissed me so kindly, and then then my poor heart i saw him the best of men perishing amid contumely and disease and when he passed with chains one thought darted through my mind you determined you poor foolish misguided child cried the old man to win the heart of the future king in order through him to release my son your friend the dying girl again smiled assent and softly exclaimed yes Yes, I did it for that, for that alone. And the prince was so abhorrent to me. And the shame, the disgrace, oh, how terrible it was. And you incurred it for my son's sake? The old man interrupted, raising her hand, wet with his tears to his lips. But she fixed her eyes on Ephraim, sobbing softly. I thought of him, too. He is so young, and it is so horrible in the mines she shuddered again as she spoke but the youth covered her burning hand with kisses while she gazed affectionately at him and the old man adding in faltering accents oh all is well now and if the gods grant him freedom here ephraim interrupted her to exclaim in fiery tones we are going to the mines this very day i and my comrades and my grandfather with us will put his guards to flight and he shall hear from my lips, none added, how faithfully Kasana loved him, and that his life will be too short to thank her for such a sacrifice. His voice failed him, but every trace of suffering had vanished from the countenance of the dying girl, 
and for a long time she gazed heavenward silently with a happy look. By degrees, however, her smooth brow contracted in an anxious frown, and she gasped in low tones. Well, all is well. Only one thing. My body, unembalmed, without the sacred amulets. But the old man answered, As soon as you have closed your eyes, I will give it, carefully wrapped, to the Phoenician captain now tarrying here, that he may deliver it to your father. Kasana tried to turn her head toward him to thank him with a loving glance, but she suddenly pressed both hands to her breast. Crimson blood welled from her lips. Her cheeks varied from livid white to fiery scarlet, and after a brief painful convulsion, she sank back. Death laid his hand on the loving heart, and her features gained the expression of a child whose mother has forgiven its fault, and clasped it to her heart ere it fell asleep. The old man, weeping, closed the dead girl's eyes. Ephraim, deeply moved, kissed the closed lids, and after a short silence, none said. I do not like to inquire about our fate beyond the grave, which Moses himself does not know, but whoever has lived, so that his or her memory is tenderly cherished in the souls of loved ones, has, I think, done the utmost possible to secure a future existence. We will remember this dead girl in our most sacred hours. Let us do for her corpse what we promised, and then set forth to show the man for whom Kasana sacrificed what she most valued, that we do not love him less than this Egyptian woman. End of chapter 23